All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. With me today, I have Joe Russ, and I'm your host, Jeff Davidson. My brother Kyle will be back on the Money Wise program next week. If you're listening to our show for the first time, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-based registered investment advisor, now in our 32nd year of business with offices in Corpus Christi and San Antonio. If you'd like to learn more about the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from the MoneyWise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investor-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Well, as we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, let's go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. Starting off with the Dow Jones Industrial Average in the week just passed was down about 228 points or six-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 last week was down about 15 points or three-tenths of one percent. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 111 points or seven-tenths of one percent. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 17.9 percent. The S&P 500 is up 24.7% year-to-date, and the NASDAQ for the year-to-date is up 23.1%. So a little break from uh, the big rise in the indexes for the fourth quarter of 2021. Last week, I was curious how the markets were going to react to the the big economic news of the week. This this week week just passed was all about inflation. And we had the producer price index released on Tuesday and the consumer price index released on Wednesday. And the producer price index showed a rise of 8.6% in in the month of October, which was, uh, uh, pardon me, it was 8.6% year over year, pardon me. It was up six tenths of a percent for the month of October, which met expectations. Uh, this consumer price index, which was released on Wednesday, showed an increase. Uh, it's now year over year through the month of October. The consumer price index was up 6.2%, which was the highest year over year change since 1990. And it was slightly ahead of estimates. I think the estimate was 5.8 and it came in at 6.2. Yes, that correct. That, that's correct. So, and for our listeners that didn't listen last week, we talked about hurdles. What could be a hurdle mm-hmm. for the market through the end of the year? And these are the two numbers that we were talking about this year. And for those of you all that know what the honey badger is, and the honey badger story just doesn't really care. The market right now doesn't care. That's- and, and, and that's exactly what, what I would say, Joe, the numbers in total, a little hotter than expected. The reaction from the market muted. 
I, w- I would have to describe a three-tenths of a percent down for the week with consumer price index year-over-year change, the highest in 21 years. Well, I'm sorry, that's 31 years. 1990s, 31 years. 1990 was the, our first full year of operation at Davidson Capital Management. And the markets had no reaction to it. And so I, I was thinking about, I, was, when I had a client meeting this week, a couple of client meetings this week, and I was you know, trying to get, they were curious about what my take was on these last you know, six weeks. So we're basically got a little over six weeks left in 2021. And we've got past the earnings. The big earnings news is in the, is in the rearview mirror. The Fed meeting, the announcement of the taper, the first taper happens this this month, just probably here in the next few weeks. We've got the inflation numbers for October. So all that we have left now, we got the jobs number a couple of weeks ago. So all that we have left for the rest of this year in terms of news, don't have really anything on earnings. We've got another Fed meeting. They're not going to say anything different. We've got another inflation number in a month. We got a jobs number in a couple of weeks. And that's pretty much it for the rest of the year. And so I I think about our portfolios and I think about other managers of money and where their portfolios are positioned. And we have huge capital gains in our portfolios year to day, even bigger than the pre even bigger than 2020. And so our clients are going to be faced with tax bills. And we say it kind of in a joking way. Our, our, one of our jobs is to create tax problems for our clients. That means that we're making money. And that's a good thing. That's what we're supposed to right. do. It is a good problem to have, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. That's right. For those of you that have inherited stock and you have run-ups in your positions, it's better to take a profit and have a profit than not. Right. So count your blessings. You're not going to get poor taking a profit. So – I'm, I was thinking, what is the strategy here? You know, at the end of the year, do 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 we want to take more profits in our portfolio if we don't have to? The answer is no. Do other advisors or other managers of money want to take profits they don't have to? No, they don't. So, where's the selling pressure come from? The big, you know, big selling pressure to to drive down the market substantially in the last six weeks of the year. It really does. I don't see it out there unless there's you know, one-off event, something happens geopolitically, you know, something along those lines, something news, you know, completely unexpected. So there's really no motivation this late in the year to take any more profits, to sell any of the big five tech stocks that are, that are big winners this year. And so any money that comes into the market, if there's a, if there's not a lot of sell sellers on the other side, well, the market's just going to, ooze a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher into the end of the year. So the real question is, okay, what happens January, the first week of January 2022? That's the real question. How much of the how much of these profits that have accumulated this year that are carryovers from 2020, that are carryovers from 2019, because we have them too in our portfolios, how much of, of, of that, you know, how many investment advisors have over-allocated positions into the big five tech names among, among hundreds and hundreds of other stocks that are going to be paring down those positions in January to get their portfolios rebalanced? 
because I guarantee there's a lot of portfolios out there that have that are that are definitely over allocated to the big five names. We talked do, a little bit about this last week. Do I smell a little bearish or like a temporary bear coming well, out of you, Joe? I'm just trying to handicap the the ultra short term in the marketplace. That's that's well, really when all. When we get that, back, we uh, we have some good arguments why that might happen. Okay, but temp- why would it be temporary? So. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about our firm and review the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investment-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So in the previous segment, Joe, we were talking about uh, the news of the week for the markets, which was the producer price index and the consumer price index were both announced and both were uh, high and uh, in some cases higher than expected. And the markets really just didn't react very much to that to that news. I, I will say on the day, I think it was either I think it might have been the consumer price index day. The markets were, I think the Dow was down a couple hundred points that day and the NASDAQ was down over a hundred points. And then we recovered uh, a lot of that on Thursday and Friday. Uh, But we're talking about, uh, you know, I had a couple of meetings with some clients in the week just passed and kind of getting me to handicap the end of 2021 and what I see at the beginning of 2022 and when I see the market not really react to what you know should have been market moving news, I mean, the highest uh, year over year consumer price index since 1990, and we've been in business, Davidson Capital Management for since nine, you know, since 1989, our first full year since 1990, you know, it was 1990. So this is uh, to say it's uh, unprecedented. Well, it's it's. In a way, it is. I mean, 30 years since we've seen inflation this high, the market's not react to it all. And, and I've been kind of, you know, why? Why is the market just kind of ignoring this here? And I, and you want, Joe, you, why don't you go on and put in your theory? I've already given Sure, mine. sure. So we're going we're gonna to see if we're thinking the same here. Well, you know, watching CNBC Friday, but you have to look at where yields are and understand there, there is no alternative. Look at what did the 10-year finish Friday, Jeff? 1.5 and some the change, 10-year right? went out. Uh, the last report I saw, 1.59. Now it was up for the week. Uh, interest rates were up uh, almost uh, 15 basis points for the week. I know it's that's not a big number, but it was 1.45. And two weeks ago, we went out almost at 1.6 percent. So I think the interest rates reacted a little bit to these numbers, but it's not the high, we're not at high yields of the year, and we're certainly nowhere near uh, high year uh, high. We've had much higher years, high, higher yields three years ago. Uh, so interest rates, as you said, Joe, you know it, it's the Tina. There is no alternative. Uh, but you know, you think about for a second what was the what was one of the stock news of the week. Rivian, Rivian IPO, 
Okay, that's a, a maker of electric vehicles, trucks and SUVs. Much anticipated IPO. Now, here's a question. Is it going to be an automobile company or is it going to be a tech company? It's kind of the Tesla question. Right. But everybody's trying to get on this because they think it's going to be a Tesla part two. Which right. So they have yet to even deliver to a customer the first vehicle. And it's, and it's at least, I think, a year away before they're going to deliver the first vehicle. And uh, did you hear the what the valuation was on Wall Street for this for this company? And it was it was worth more than GM, but I think less than Ford. I thought it was over a hundred billion already. Is that right? <laughs> worth more than GM, mm-hmm. but less than less than Ford. Yeah, I mean it's incredible. So okay. What does that sound like? Now I know it's just one company. It sounds like a bubble bursting. Is that what you're? Well, it sounds. At? It sounds like there's like a, a tech lot of, bubble. It sounds like there's a lot of money going into electric electric vehicles, otherwise yeah. known as EV on Wall Street. There's there's a lot of money that's been flooding into that space. Tesla is another example. Now Tesla's actually making cars and delivering the customers. And I think it, what was it, uh, Elon Musk, I think the quote I heard this week from Elon Musk that in the last, there have been hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of car, of, of car manufacturers created in the United States in the last hundred plus years. And very, very, very few, yeah, you, you want to add something there? No, no, no go ahead. Very, 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 very few, this is a fun very, topic very, to talk very about. few of them have ever reached cash flow positive. Tesla, Tesla is, I think, maybe one of the few, and then all they make is electric vehicles, that is cash flow positive. Now, GM and Ford and all the others have a mixture of, you know, standard combustion and electric vehicles they're producing. But the point is, you know, how does, how does a stock like that get to that kind of valuation? And uh, does it have shades of the late 20th century? Sure. In that one particular case, yes. Now, are there hundreds and hundreds of electric vehicle companies that have come to market in the last couple of years, and it's created like a, a mini dot-com type uh, situation? No, that's not the case. Uh, but looking at how far and how fast you know the markets have moved, three years of double-digit returns up in the stock market, uh, there have been few, very few periods. There's only been one period in the last 51 years that we've had four straight years of double-digit returns. If we were to get a fourth year of double-digit returns in 2022, and that's why that, the probabilities of that happening are, to me, less than – I would say it's less than 25% that we have a fourth year of double-digit returns in the S&P 500 in a row. Now, I'm not saying it's a bear market – in 2022. That's what I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, this is 1999 and next year is the first year of a three-year bear market. I'm, I'm saying it could be a situation potentially like 2018. Now, 2018, if memory serves me correctly, the S&P market was down in 2018. The, the S&P was, was down, but it was, if you te- if you put in dividends, it was up for the year just a little. It, it was up. For I the mean, year it, you could less. be looking at potentially a flat or a sideways market, and, or as Kyle would call it, the cha cha. So, and so going into January, 
the question really is going to be, is the selling pressure that is not does not appear to be in the marketplace right now, despite Fed tapering, despite these high inflation numbers, despite, and I'm going to, pr- I'm going to bring this Uh-oh. up too, consumer sentiment, sentiment hits a 10-year low. 10-year low. Now, that was announced today, Friday. Pardon me, it was Friday. Consumer confidence since a 10-year low in November as inflation climbed to the highest level since the early 1990s. Now, and what was the reaction to the market on Friday? Markets were up. Usually, you're not going to have that reaction with the market. If consumer sentiment is, is that negative, you're going to have some type of pullback. So... So what we're seeing here, in my opinion, is 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 like uh, is just there's a lot of money that doesn't want to create any more capital gains this year, and so unless they're forced to, they're not going to sell in these last six weeks of the year. Now, forced to means a one-off event. Yeah, the Federal Reserve really changes its tune in, in in December and says, "Well, inflation is much higher than we thought. We're gonna we're going to uh, accelerate the taper, and it's going to be finished by April and then the, or, or March, and the market's going to think, well, heck, we're going to have you know our first interest rate increase at least three months earlier than we thought, and the market's going to react would react to that, and and, and you know people ma- managers of money would probably have to do some selling and lock in some profits. Now that's is that likely to happen? I would say at this point, probably not. But I think come January, there's going to be a a big rebalancing of portfolios that's going to create uh, a heightened level of volatility uh, in the month of January. And there's go- there's going to be a lot of change. Yeah, we're gonna we we have been talking about changes to our portfolios internally for weeks. We've been getting getting things ready. For 2022, we're talking about doing something totally different uh, that we that we haven't done before on the bond side of our portfolio. And, and, and for the listeners, that has been the biggest challenge this year. If you're an investor and you have a diversified portfolio, not 100 percent stocks, is where are you going to get any kind of income? Where are you getting any return? Market, where's, where you where's, any return? Yeah, where's the where's the return? It's extremely challenging, and we've looked at multiple different types of investments. Even outside the box, believe it or not, for a relatively conservative firm, we've looked at a lot of different options. Yeah. And so, you know, our overall asset allocations today are not much different than they were three months ago or six months ago or nine months ago. We're still below maximum asset allocations to stocks. And there's no discussion about raising asset allocations to stocks in this environment. Uh, There are discussions in for you know the first quarter of next year, uh, maybe we we might do some reducing of allocations to stocks, but there's definitely going to be a, a reallocation of monies all across the portfolios. Uh, there's going to there's going to be reductions in the in the big winners, and there's going to be new 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 uh, uh, securities coming in the portfolio. But I think in the end, what we may find, depending on how things happen go in January, is we may have an overall lower asset allocation to stocks by the end of the first quarter of next year. And you're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. 
Welcome back. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about our firm and review the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from the MoneyWise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number, once again, is 800-275-2162. If you have an investment-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget to listen to our podcast on Apple iTunes, as well as all the other popular streaming services. So the previous segment, we were talking about portfolio construction in 2022 and the things that uh, the investments that we have been thinking about for a market that uh, is definitely going to have, I think we're going to have at least one interest rate increase increase in 2022, maybe more Uh, inflation to me, it's higher for longer at this point. Uh, And we're coming off three straight years of double-digit returns. So the the question you have to ask yourself is, can the market do it again? Can stocks produce another double-digit return in 2022? And the statistics say that the probabilities are pretty low. Doesn't mean it's going to be negative. Doesn't mean we're going to have a bear market next year. It just means that investor expectations definitely need to be set a little bit lower in 2022. And so what kind of portfolio construction uh, should an investor consider? Well, the first thing that I would, that, that uh, I would take a real close look at, I know we're talking, Joe, a lot of our listeners are probably invested in mutual funds to their 401k. Uh, The first thing I really take a look at closely is large cap growth stock mutual funds. And we talked a little bit about this, was it, I don't know if it was last week's show or the week before that, the concentration in the big five tech names, Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon. Fang and M. So Fang, Fang M. plus Microsoft. How about that? Yes. There's a lot of concentration in those stocks in large cap growth stock mutual funds. Uh We've, we have the same issue in our large cap growth stock mutual funds that we, that we have in our asset builder accounts. And we own four of those five in our individually managed portfolio. We do not own Facebook, now called Meta. So I guess we have to change Fang, don't we? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Mang is now Mang. Mang. So, by the way, we want the copyrights on that or whatever. Right. We we, we're calling it now Mang. Fang no longer exists. So for our <laughs> listeners out there, remember, you heard it here you heard it first. That's right. You heard it When you first. start your cocktail party this weekend or social <laughs> event, say, yeah, I own most of the Mang stocks. And they're going to look at you like, what do you mean? <laughs> so have some fun with that. So yeah, next year's portfolio, uh, dividend-paying stocks, uh, less – Allocation to high, you know, maybe high tech growth names. I think we're going to we're going to pare down the uh, herd, if if you if you will, and maybe own a few few fewer of those names. 
financials should benefit in a rising interest rate environment. Uh, we have already started buying a few financials in our portfolio. We've bought a couple here in the last two, three weeks uh, in our portfolios. And they've done pretty well. And they've done pretty well. Exactly. Uh, I think in anticipation, I think, I think investors are anticipating 2022 already. I think an overall lower asset allocation to stocks, there is potential for that. You know, I was, I was talking about a little bit about that in the previous segment. Uh, does that mean under 50%? Mm, I, no, I don't think under 50%. Uh, we may, we may go below 60% at some point if the, if, if, the first quarter plays out as a big, massive uh, reallocation of securities that you know could create uh, some really heightened volatility in the marketplace while all of this hashes out. Yeah, I could see us potentially being a little bit lower asset allocation to stocks uh, for a period of time. Yes, Joe. Well, I do want to stress one thing. If, if we finish where we think we're going to finish this year, either the last two years, just take the last two years, for instance. On the S&P, if we finish where we are right now, you'd probably be looking at about a 20% average rate of return for two years in a row. So I would stress patience because you've had two really good years. So don't overreact and, and have discipline going into next year. And don't freak out if the market's not getting 5 or 10%. Two, how about you know, three? I mean, we're, 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 we're going to be near three years, 20% average. Right. So if you, if you if you took the last three years at 20%, that's 60%. So be patient with what you're doing. And don't. And, and when you construct your portfolio, like Jeff said, dividend-paying stocks, it's also a stock picker's game. So if you do your own research, you're going to have to find individual names and a reason to buy them. Um, that's the other thing. And generally speaking, a flat market, you have to be pretty good at. Kind of so. going back to this idea about – Checking, checking out your large cap growth stock mutual funds. Uh, one of the things that we've been looking at, I'll let a little idea out to our listeners, is I'm not necessarily advocating that you sell all of it. If, if your particular mutual fund you find is 40 or 50% invested in MANG. <laughs> we'll have to get used to that one. That's right. That's a lot in those five stocks. And there are some large cap growth mutual funds out there that are that are highly allocated to those stocks. An idea is is to find a large cap growth stock fund that's more equally weighted, that's that has a, as part of its investment philosophy to not allow a particular investment in their portfolio to grow to such a size that it is two, three, four, five, ten times the size, the allocation of other stocks in the portfolio. And that's generally how we run our individual stock portfolios. We don't, the only over allocations that we have are in exchange traded funds, which by their very nature themselves are, are uh, own hundreds and hundreds of stocks. They are diversified, but there are, but all our other individual holdings in our, in our individual stock portfolios are generally all equally weighted. Yeah, Joe. And it's a great point. I was actually talking, believe it last, uh, Thursday night, a young investor, I was talking to him. I said, generally, our advice, if you're creating your own portfolio, regardless what your investment is, is not to have more than 5% in any one particular individual stock. In our individual, our, our individually managed portfolios, we have less than 1% in all of our stocks, unless they have a really, really good run. 
And then we're always looking to take a profit because we always know you don't go broke taking a profit. Yeah. And, that's and what I, Jeff means by equally weighted, not having eight or nine percent in Apple. Yeah. Having equally weighting across all your different individual stock positions. I, I wonder how many large cap growth stock mutual funds violate our five percent rule right now. <laughs> I did a lot of research on the 401k side. Pretty much anything that screens really well on the Morningstar or right. the U Schwab, almost every one of them does. So if it's a five star. And that can, and, that, and I think I've thrown out statistics previously uh, about the concentrate, how the S and P's overall performance this year has been driven by not a lot of, not a lot of stocks, very few stocks. And that's not always a good thing. Uh, long, that's not a good thing in the short term when it comes to markets going higher. Well, what I what I what I mean by that is caution. You know, you suddenly get a, let's say if you you've got uh, let's say you're retiring in the next thirty, sixty, ninety days, and you've got a big distribution. Say you've got a pension. You're 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 fortunate enough to work for a company that's got a a. Uh, old school pension plan and you've got a big lump sum pension coming in the next 30, 60, 90 days. I would not be inclined to put all of that to work all at one time in the market in this environment for sure. I'd be spreading that out over a number of months. And we have several situations at our firm of clients that are getting ready to uh, have large pension distributions. And I've already you know, let them know that that money is going to be staged in probably over a little more extended period of time than we otherwise would have given where we're at in the markets right now. It's, it's similar to averaging in to yeah. a 401k. You're not dollar cost, dollar cost averaging in per se, but based off our philosophy and what we are forward guidance. And it, since I've been here over four years, multiple times have we taken new money depending on the environment and spread out over a, not just a month, but maybe two yeah. months, three months. There, there have been times when the, the when the t- when the time period's very short. You know, uh, second quarter last year. You know, April May. I think our our time periods were a little bit shorter getting money in because the market has really had, had really reacted well to what was happening from the fiscal side and from the the federal you know the monetary side uh, and. Yeah, that was the time if you were putting money in aggressively, it definitely paid off. It definitely paid off. But now we've had this huge move off those lows, you know, doubling in a year and a half. Well, actually, we doubled in shorter than, you know, about, a, you know, less than a year and a half. But in this environment, to be aggressively putting money to work, uh, I think you have to be very, I think you have to be much more cautious. And and that's the exact that's the way that's how what we're doing in our portfolios and that's certainly what I recommend to our listeners. Well, and one of the things we did talk about textbook ways to invest in the market and maybe in a flat market or uh, like you said when you're rebalancing and you're and you're taking some of the, the uh, taking your, some of your gains in the first quarter last year. But the X factor we, we did talk about is all right we're coming out of a pandemic. There's the other the the other variant if you will that could actually cause some disruption in the first quarter. I mean, that's, that's really, really hard to see because we're still, as we speak, writing the portfolio playbook from an investment management standpoint. standpoint. So we'll, we'll leave it at that and come back after the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. 
you'd like to learn more about our firm and review the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from the Money Wise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investment-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget to listen to us on Apple iTunes or any of the other popular streaming platforms. So a little bit more talk about plans going into 2022. And I know we'll be talk we'll be talking about this probably every week for the rest of the year as our as our plans uh, get closer and closer to fruition. We're not we're probably not going to say anything about what we actually did until after it's already done. But but we are going to be doing something novel that we've never done before in our bond on the bond portion of the portfolio in 2022. And uh, when you were, you were talking about Joe, the playbook still being written about the pandemic, and and I agree to a certain extent. I think that the chapters of the book are there's not a lot of chapters left. Uh, you know, basically everyone's back to work for the most part. Uh, yeah, we still have the supply chain stuff going on and, and that's going to be a, uh, issue for inflation, keeping inflation higher for longer, uh, which is going to have implications for stocks, uh, eventually, uh, some stocks are going to benefit from it. Some stocks are not going to benefit from it. Uh, some stocks are going to benefit from a rising interest rate environment. Some stocks are not going to benefit from a rising interest rate environment. The markets can go up in a rising interest rate environment. The key is going to be the rate of interest rate increase. If the slope of the increase in interest rates is relatively shallow, the markets can digest that. Uh, if it if it's spiky, if we have these spikes in rates, the market's going to react negatively. That it's going to increase volatility. And that's where the patience comes in. That's where, you know, spreading, if you get a, a, a big windfall in the next two, three, four months, you got to spread it out in this environment. Now, after, if Kyle was here, I'm going to say something, one little thing about politics, Joe, one little thing, because we've discussed this amongst ourselves. What environment would cause us to want to get back to maximum asset allocations to stocks, a condition that we have not had in any portfolio at Davidson Capital Management since February of 2020. We have not are had. Are you, are you referring to midterms? I'm referring to mid, midterms that are about a year, a year away. The election would have been held, I guess, the previous week, a year from now. If there's a, a, a big change in terms of the balance of power, that might be an impetus for us to be, get more invested in stocks, but that's a year away. And there's a whole lot of other variables that are going to figure into that interest rates, inflation, uh, earnings, all of those things are going to be figured into it. But we as a, as a group had said amongst ourselves that probably one of the things we definitely want to have is you want to have the midterms out of the way. And, and a change in terms of a real change in terms of who is actually in control in Congress. Cause if, if Congress isn't controlled by the Republicans and there's still a, obviously a Democrat in the, in the white house, that is gridlock and the markets love gridlock. 
Do you want to add something to that, Joe? No, they do. I was just thinking about investing in the last couple of years, and we do know some younger – this is outside of politics. But with everything that's going on with the pandemic and, and in the last year and a lot of, let's just say, students not being in school and trading stocks, the one thing that could help next year, meaning where we might actually see double digits returns, is there's a whole younger generation out there that has learned how to invest their money. And they're not going to be settling for what bonds can get. They're not going to be happy with their money in cash. I don't know how much of a factor that would pay, play, but it is something that's interesting to pay attention to. Well, I, I wonder how it, many of them bought the Rivian IPO. The yeah, I, I think, right I, well, we know anecdotally that some of the young folks have been interested in that. But how many young folks are interested in owning Kimberly Clark? Boeing. Boeing. <laughs> Disney. Pepsi. Yeah. Verizon. I, I, I get Apple. I get man I get Mang. I get all that. We own <laughs> it's it. The too. Ma- it's the Mang generation. Right. It's well, I get all that. So Joe, I know you want to talk about this because this was just released here in the last week. New uh new limits for contributions to uh, contribution limits to retirement accounts. Right. In 2022. I, exactly. I'll go pretty quickly. Kyle wanted us to talk about this last week. We didn't have time, but they did announce new limits to 401ks and IRAs. And we'll call this segment, uh, know your limits, not know what you own, but know your limits. I have my own little segments when I get to eat occasionally on this show. So your, your maximum contributions going into 2022, for 401ks will be 20,500 with a catch up of 6,500 last year or this this year it's 19,500 and 6,500 dollars that's a pretty big jump a little over 5% there's a cost of living adjustment in there imagine that with inflation where it is and they had to bump 401k uh, deferrals the IRA maximums actually stayed the same which is very odd well they've so, been the same since what is that? 20, 2019. They haven't changed IRA contribution limits since 2019. Yeah, 2018. It was. I have the stats in front of me. So does Jeff. Fifty five hundred and uh, fifty five hundred dollars in 2018, and the 2019 six thousand. Whoopty doo. But, so, but again, this just shows the. This shows lobbyists in Washington lobbying the you know, whoever makes these rules because. Elective deferrals in 401ks were increased in 2019, 2020, stayed the same in 2021, and were increased again in 2022. I do want to bring up another point because Kyle – Not in IRAs. A lot of questions with health care costs going up, and I don't want to go – that would take a whole other segment on health care costs. If you have the opportunity to look at an HSA in your, with your company or individually, the individual limit's 36, 36.5 – and 7300 as a family that's ticked up a little bit. That may not seem like a big deal, but if you're putting money in an HSA year over year over year, you're not using it for retirement, it's tax-free money, baby, when you pull it out. So think about that, too. The time to plan is now, not wait till the middle of next year. So get with your CPA and say, what do I need to do to maximize my deferrals going into 2022? That is the biggest piece of advice I can give you. We just got all of our renewals for 2022 and our health insurance. And it was somewhere between 20 and 30% increases in premiums, depending on the employee. And that's, and that's on top of the 15 to 20% that it went up going into this year. And it's just insane. 
So, so do your planning now. Don't even get don't even get me started on that. Do your planning now on all of that. That's all we're saying. So, so we're coming up to the top of the hour break. So, would you like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from the Money Wise guys? You can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling eight hundred two seven five two one six two. That number once again is eight hundred two seven five two one six two. If you'd like to hear the second hour of this weekend's Money Money Wise program, if you're in our San Antonio market, go to our website at davidsoncap.com and click on the radio show link. But for our listeners in Corpus Christi on 1360 KKTX, please stay tuned for the second hour of Money Wise after the top of the hour break. And we'll continue this weekend's program with some investor education. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two and if you have an investment related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the money wise program you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com if you missed the first hour of money wise you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past money wise programs you can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, it's about time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your politeness. Well, as we as we like to use and utilize uh, the second hour of every weekend's Money Wise program, really going into investor education and just, again, the continuing education that all investors need to be paying attention to because with the multitude of investment choices, the multitude of sales outlets, I should say, uh, to be buying different financial products, um, we feel it's our duty having a voice and having this radio show to, to continue to provide that, that education. And there is an article that we've had for some time. We've talked about it on past shows, but it's always good to to reiterate. And it's a conversation I know that I have with prospective clients when it comes to investing. Um, and the, the title of the article is The Best Investment Advice Ever. <laughs> now, there's so much different advice out there, different guidance, different forms and levels of education out there. Um, you know, looking at this article, there's a very old saying that I know we have used from day one. And, of course, with us, uh, you know, being in this, having Davidson Capital Management for more than 25 years. And, and again, this radio show going on now in our 10th year. Um, looking at, at rule number one for the best investment advice ever, and that first rule is never lose money 
rule number two. Don't forget rule number one. And I believe that uh, that was one of Warren Buffett's famous advice. And, of course, Warren Buffett being one of the richest men in the world, um, I think uh, it's good It's good words to live by. And, and when I sit down with prospective clients, the one the one area, again, of education I like to focus on is teaching a prospective client that it's not as much how well you do on the upside when the market is going up. It's how shallow you keep your hole on the downside. It's it's whoever plays the best defense is what's really going to build long-term wealth and longevity of a portfolio. Rule This rule number one, don't you think it's kind of unrealistic to say never lose money? Well, and, and, and again, investors need to keep in mind there's a difference between realized losses and unrealized losses or paper losses. Uh, maybe rule number one should should read more like never put all your eggs in one basket. Never But, put, but define never, that. Okay. Define that a little okay. bit more, okay, eggs in one basket. Never put 100% of your money in one asset class. How's that? Okay. Never put 100% of your money in stocks. Give us an asset class. Like, are Never. you talking sector-specific, like no. all in real estate investment trusts or all in the material sector or all in technology? I think I think really the rule number one to me, and it kind of goes along the same lines as what you're talking about with keeping the hole shallow, is there's no, no such thing as never lose money. I mean, every investment – we have never had an investment decision that we've made – in the 25 years as Davidson Capital Management, every investment decision that we've made has not always made money. Some of those investment decisions have lost money. There isn't a single person on the planet that's made an investment decision that hasn't lost money at one time or the other. The the really successful people in investing never lose a lot of money. Now, keeping a that lot of money, shallow. keeping the whole shallow, as you were saying, and 2008 is is a great example of keeping the hole the, the hole as shallow as possible because we were never 100 percent invested in stocks that year, and we were also reducing stocks as that year went on, and so we 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 didn't suffer the 35 our clients' portfolios didn't suffer the 35 40. 50% losses that the investors that we saw come to us in 2009 and 2010, and we asked them, you know, how did you do in 2008? And they said, well, I lost 40% or I lost more than 40%. We knew right then and there that they had way too much money in stocks, if not their entire portfolio in stocks, and it wasn't being managed properly, obviously. That's that's a key. It wasn't actively managed. It was, and again, that set it and forget it. Mentality that set and forget it portfolio. And so, the the rule number one, this never lose money, and rule number two, never forget rule number one, is all fine and good, but it's not realistic because if you're going to have a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, cash, and all different types of asset classes, some of those asset classes aren't going to make money in a particular year. Some will. Uh, some will be more successful than others, but I think it's unrealistic to expect to never to lose money in, in investing. Because if you, if rule number one, never lose money, that means you're never going to take risk. Which means you're going to be, you're going to own CDs. Uh, sorry to take your your thunder away there. You're going to own government bonds and hold them to maturity. 
or you're going to own CDs or cash, or you're going to have cash. Well, that I don't know too many investors that can reach their retirement goals uh, just by being in cash or government bonds. Well, and again, when you are invested and you're invested in the stock market, or even the bond market, when you look at an unrealized gain and loss report, if you're showing some unrealized losses, those are paper losses. Those are losses that you have not taken. It's just on paper. It's just numbers. But that loss can be will become realized if you decide to sell out. And what happened to a lot of investors in 2008 is they watched the ride all the way down. And then they got to their maximum pain threshold, and what did they do? They sold. And for a lot of investors, after they did that sell and the selling they did, they have yet to get back in. That's why we continue to face the very thin market conditions, the whipsawing of the markets because there's fewer and fewer participants because they still have not gotten back in because they're still licking and and taking care of their wounds from 2008 because they sold out and turned those unrealized losses to realized losses. But if they had a proper allocation and having their assets actively managed, they wouldn't have suffered as much pain and distress in their portfolio as we have seen doing our portfolio reviews and analysis of prospective clients. So, well, we're going to pause right there. We're going to take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing our investor education and talking about an article titled The Best Investment Advice Ever. And, you know, again, the old Warren Buffett saying, you know, rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. And us just kind of really discussing how that's kind of unrealistic. Um, Because like Jeff, like you said in the last segment, you're going to run into some type of losses, be it unrealized or realized losses at some point in time in your investing career, unless you're invested in cash, which isn't an investment, CDs, or government bonds. You know, you have to take a certain level of risk. You have to assume a certain level of risk to have the potential for capital appreciation and growth of your assets to meet your retirement goals or for whatever goals that you're saving for. And, Dad, I know that you wanted to, the big dog wanted to eat a little bit and had something to add to, to what, we were just talking about. Well, I think I originally said this to you when you guys came into the business. Oh, you've been that, saying this f- that, as long that, as that, I can remember. These were basic rules of investing. I, I honestly think this is a little bit of a Will Rogers comment. I, I'm not so sure that Warren Buffett didn't steal this from from, from Will Rogers. You never met a man he didn't like. And and and, and what th- this means, you know, this is you know this will be my 37th year starting my 38th year of being a portfolio manager, not counting the four years as a broker and one year in graduate school, so you're going to add all that up. But when I see this, what this really means to me is never lose big money. Never take big losses because you can't come back from them, whether it's financially or even psychologically. Hold on. Let me stop you right there. You just hit an important point. Psychologically. It's the psychological 
part part of this. Um, a lot of people get in investing. They get in the game, as Jim Cramer calls it. It's not a game. But they get in the game, and they have some moderate success, and then they start building their bet. They start pushing pushing the chips and further. And as they and build their bet, they will get to the point where they lose. Now, to be successful, the one thing that I have learned in my 37-plus years, to be successful in investing, you have to invest on a regular basis. You just can't do it once in a while. And if and you need to take a number of positions because as you take positions, your batting average gets better. And to be successful, it isn't participating when the markets go up, as you said. It's not losing as much going down. So I believe my personal success as an investor has come with my ability to sell. I think I'm a lot better seller than I am a buyer. And, and, and one thing that we say in this office, and this was definitely true in 2008, and of course, you know, this was prior to me joining the family's firm back. Jeff, I know you were here back during the dot-com bubble burst, bursting of the, of the dot-coms, um, is that when, cert- when the markets and times just don't make sense, when what's up is down and what's down is up, when there's times where the market doesn't make sense, it never hurts to get more liquid and lay in the weeds. I know that's an old saying, Dad, that I've heard come out of your mouth for years, way before I even joined the family business, that it's okay sometimes to raise liquidity and lay in the weeds until things get a little clearer. Now, it's important for all investors to understand you're never going to have 100% clarity. The waters are never going to be 100% clear. There's always going to be some level of cloudiness, but in situations like the dot-coms, like 2008, uh, even like how you know how the markets have, have started off the past couple of years, um, things get a little clouded and get a little bit more whipsawish. And sometimes it's better to just kind of raise some cash and lay back until things start to pan out and make a little bit more sense because that's what we've been dealing with is some just counterintuitiveness that we've been experiencing in the market for the past couple of years. You know, and this led me to what we were talking about earlier, rule number one, never lose money, never forget rule number one is rule number two. Well, if we were in an environment where government bonds was paying 9%, then a lot of people would be attracted to that. And and there and there's been times in my career when you could do that. And so there's a riskless return that would be that would be historically a good return. Unfortunately, that was occurring when inflation was at twelve, thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> so you were losing, losing to just inflation. like today. Mm-hmm. Just like today if you put too much in bonds versus what each individual person's inflation rate is. But What this really says is what y'all were talking about, is that if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, if you're going to step out there and take that level of risk, then you are potentially putting yourself in a position to lose a substantial amount of your money and not have enough money to get back into the game, whatever game it is you're playing. But, so, but again, but again, we don't look at the market as no, a game. It's not a game. It's not a game at all. But if you are, if you're a trader, I would say a trader views the market somewhat as a game. I'd agree. If you're an investor, it's a serious game, and so each individual has to decide what type of is he a trader? Am I an investor, or is this trading money? Is this investing money? So you, there's various pools that you could be doing. 
But one thing that you cannot do is you cannot sustain large losses and be a successful investor or trader. So whatever methods you use to reduce your losses, your risk, your risk, you're going to have to take that. And if you don't determine a system that allows you to do that, you are not going to be successful. In the long term, absolutely. And, and, and see, that's the thing, Dad, is I think for some investors, maybe the traders that view the market as more of a game, more of action, more Vegas style, they have a couple of big wins where they knock it out of the park and that boosts their confidence, that helps them boost their, their maybe their trading and investing ego psychologically, that's when they start pushing over pushing the chips further and further over the line and bigger amounts of chips, then they strike out. Then they take that loss, and then their, the psychological aspect of it might be a loss so bad that they say, to heck with the stock market, I'm never getting involved in it again. And what we've always advocated and always tried to teach is about a proper balance, about diversification. As Jeff said, not putting all your eggs in one basket, spreading out that risk, or to use a technical term, spreading out your beta. But you can't just spread it out and forget it. You have to continue to actively manage it, actively monitor it. And if you don't, then you need to work with a firm that's going to do that. I learned many years ago that I was not a successful trader. Trading was not something that I was good at. I was good at looking at a longer picture. It fit my personality better to be an investor, plus by taking a longer-term view, thinking in terms in the stock market of actually owning the company that I was buying I found that that was more successful, and I learned that as a broker. I, I, I felt comfortable with that. What I didn't feel comfortable with was potential clients or new clients that had to have action because I don't necessarily think Wall Street is the best place to get action. I think you would be better off to go to Vegas because it doesn't require that much thinking if you need action. If you like to bet on football games. with If you need that fix. If you need that. And there are people that need that. But it, Wall Street can be a very dangerous place for people that need that type of fix. I have not run into that many successful people who have traded the market. I've run into many successful investors, very few successful traders. Well, and I think some some other points you made just a few minutes ago when we talk about risk capacity, about taking a big hit to your portfolio, and again, for continuing investor education, the older you get, the closer you get to your retirement, I guess, date and time as far as your age, your risk capacity gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, you know, and I've run into people who have have very large risk, you know, very small risk tolerance, their personal aversion to risk, but they have huge risk capacity. And when you run into that situation, it's really they have their money invested very lazily. It's, it's very lazy money. It's very 4 and 5% returns when they should be taking advantage of their age. So the younger you are, the greater risk capacity you have. And so you have to really marry risk tolerance and risk capacity into one. Um, and that's, again, something else that we, that we try to teach. So just understand, as you get older, your risk capacity gets smaller, and you have to have your portfolio managed and allocated in a way that reflects that risk capacity. 
what you see on CNBC, and we don't spend that much time watching any of the other channels, but what we see on CNBC is a parade of traders, parade of people looking for action, daily action, weekly action. Fast money. Fast money. You know, everything is geared towards trading. trading. Mm-hmm. That is that segment of the market. That is not a segment that Davidson Capital Management has ever participated in or would feel comfortable being in. And so when we sit here and we talk about what we see, we don't necessarily feel that that type of program serves the public to the extent it could. That's right. Well, with that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. So we'll take the break. When we come back, we'll be continuing our investor education, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to cover here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing talking about the best investment advice ever article that comes from Market Watch and the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, Dad, I, as you were talking in the last segment, you know, you mentioned Jim Cramer's name. And I know there's a segment on his show that he loves to do where people call in and say, am I diversified? And they give him five stock names. And he'll either anoint it as being you're diversified or you're not diversified. And when I watch that, I, to me, it seems like it's a disservice to the investing public because what he is basically um, validating is that it's okay to put 20% of your money in one particular stock position, to hold five individual stocks, and as long as those five individual stocks are in five different industry sectors, then you're okay, you're safe. And I think that is some of the most dangerous advice you could possibly give with with his type of background and acumen as a money manager, or as a hedge fund manager, I should say. Well, I, I, I don't agree with it. Dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous if you don't watch your eggs real close, if you only got five. Uh, <laughs> you're making, you're mean, making big bets in, in on the, five in the, companies. In the beginning, in the beginning when I created uh, the philosophy, uh, it became apparent to me that I didn't ever want more than – five percent in anything because i learned very quickly that if i bought five percent of your assets in one individual position yes if i bought 10 positions 3.5 of them were going to be losers but i loved all 10 Mm -hmm. and so when i got it out to 20 then i'm going to have six losers in normal markets Mm -hmm. and the key was having the six losers not be big enough losers to overset the profits that were in the other 14. Well, if I'm Jim Cramer and five is my diversification, I sure hope it's not my six losers because then my every five, those whole five positions would be losers. So to me, that was not enough positions to be diversified. That was very concentrated. And to be that concentrated, I don't want you to think you're diversified. You are not diversified. 
with five positions. I mean, you might you are, be you might be diversified in the sense that you're in five different industry sectors, but you're making a very large bet on one company in that and, industrial sector. And I'll tell sector. you something else. If you limit yourself to that few of positions, you're either going to do extremely well versus the market or you're going to do extremely badly. You're, you're not going to do average. You're either going to do real well or real bad. So it's either a home run or a strikeout. Now, you can't build a business on real bad. Mm-hmm. Now, he was successful as a hedge fund manager because he was a trader. He was not an investor. Long term to him could have been one day. So when you hear him discuss that, I mean, he can't do a show and do Am I Diversified and have someone giving 20 positions. So some of his Am I Diversified is for TV. For, well, it's for TV. He did it first on his radio show. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. He did that on the radio show. Now, he used to do radio and TV, and his radio show was really a whole lot better than the TV show. He didn't do all that screaming and jumping around like he does, and he would just talk, which I found better for investors to listen to. He was more investor-oriented as opposed to trading. So us saying that we believe you ought to have 20 positions gets back to this fact that we don't want more than 5% of any person's assets in one position. And we say that even in your company stock. If you're investing in your company stock, the stock where you work. Through your 401k. Yeah, we don't want more than 5% of your retirement money in the company stock. And I don't care how great the stock is. Because I happen to have seen times in my life where I worked for companies where people put a lot much, lot more in that, and then the companies went out of business. They not only lost their job, but they lost their retirement. And I, I can tell you that Jeff and I see this doing portfolio, doing portfolio reviews a lot with the petroleum industry employees, putting a lot of their retirement nest egg through 401ks in their company stock. And it's great to be supportive and it's great to love where you work and love who your employer is but you also have to kind of be a little selfish and think about your own retirement needs and your own retirement nesting and not take too big of a bet because again harkens back to Enron it harkens back to WorldCom I mean it harkens back to those employees years ago who lost their nest egg because there was a lot of cheerleading from upper level management to buy keep keep funneling as much money in it as possible not saying that any companies in existence today are you know doing some of the fraudulent things that that these companies were doing but you always have to look out for kind of number one i mean you have to look out for number one when you're saving for retirement and you know another thing that i like to teach particularly when it comes to long-term investing and when it comes to performance I always like to use the analogy is you have to look at your investment returns like a batting average, like a batting average for a baseball player. You know, let's use Ted Williams or let's use Tony Gwynn. Uh, you know, rest, may he rest in peace. Let's use him as an example. You know, baseball players can get into the Hall of Fame with having a great lifetime batting average, but throughout their career, throughout the lifetime of them stepping up to the plate, they're going to have years where they underperform where they don't have a good year at the uh, up at the plate and they don't bat very well and they have low numbers. And then they're going to have other years where they have some average years. And then they're going to have some great years where they're knocking the cover off the ball. 
but what determines whether or not a baseball player gets into the Hall of Fame is their lifetime batting average, and it's a combination of all of those years and how they've performed. It's the same thought process and the same thought pattern you need to have when it comes to investing. You're going to have some below average years. You're going to have some just average years, and you're going to have some great years, but the key is is to have more great years than bad and average years to get your portfolio to the Hall of Fame. Well, here's a little commercial coming in here. 25, this is our 26th year, and I was talking about I'm starting my 38th year as a manager. There was 12 years in there before Davidson Capital Management was formed in which I developed our philosophy, and I developed it managing money under three or four different corporate situations where I learned what was working and what wasn't working. And, you know, I learned on other people's money, so to speak. But I learned through those years that 100% equity made no sense. 100% bond made no sense. But the two could work together in combination. But what I found was there wasn't, there were fixed income people and there were stock people. There wasn't both. You didn't see the hybrid. You didn't see the manager that could do both sides. And so as I, as I developed our philosophy, I learned that it made more sense to be 10 years and under. It made more sense to stick with quality because by sticking with quality, you took risk out. By having stocks and bonds, you took risk out. And by doing that, you raised your batting average. You made the hole shallower when you were losing in stocks you were making in bonds. And so in the beginning, oh, yeah, everyone knows the most money you can make is to be 100% in the stock market. And it works really good until 1987 rolls around and it goes down 25% in one day. That doesn't work very well. That wipes out a number of years in about four hours. And you learn, hey, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And same thing in the late 90s. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful when the dot-coms were going crazy, but it didn't look real good late in 2000, 2001, and two. And, you know, staying the course was really great in January, February, March of 2008. It wasn't very great in November, December 2008. Or, or January, February. there might not be a course to <laughs> stay. Nine. You might not have had enough course to, to, to have a meal. Well, and again, that goes back to what we talked about a few segments ago about the psychological damage. And I know that we've talked on past shows here on Money Wise where we've talked about the psychological effects when you take these kind of losses and how, again, it, it creates that emotion and that fear. And when fear and emotion start combining into your portfolio, it keeps you sitting on the sidelines or it keeps you less invested in stocks to to really try to achieve and reach your goal for whatever you're saving for, and we're still seeing that today. I mean, again, we're seeing it today because we see the volatility. If there's more participants, more investors in this market, more mom-and-pop investors, we wouldn't see this extreme levels of volatility that we've been seeing. If we tax day trading, we wouldn't have this extreme volatility. Or if we tax high-frequency trading or got high-frequency well, trading under control. That's, that's what I'm saying. That would take care of that problem. The problem is, is that high-frequency trading is paying the note for the New York Stock Exchange. That's how they're making their money. They are never going to go against that. 
for something to change in that market, it's going to have to come from outside. It's not going to come from within Wall Street. Well, really what we have to have, Dad, is we have to have a nonprofit exchange. We have to well, have yeah. a nonprofit you exchange. You guys will see that. I'm, I'm convinced. You think Jeff and I will see I a nonprofit really think exchange you, I really think you in will our career. see that in your lifetime. You will see a national market. I mean, because that will take away the incentive for the high-frequency yes. trading. I, I, and I, it'll, be I welcome, it'll be somewhere in the central part of the country away from Wall Street. I, I welcome that day. I welcome the day to where we see a nonprofit exchange and maybe just a one central exchange. Let me correct him. Jeff may not see it. I think you will see it, Kyle. <laughs> well, we're not that far away in age, so uh, it's only about 10, less than 10, 10 years. years in there. All right, well, let's take our last commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So going back to this article, there was a couple of other statements, and these actually come from Ben Franklin, and and one of them is, an investment in knowledge pays the most interest. And again, one of the reasons why we started this radio show back in late 2005 was because it gave us a podium, it gave us a platform to provide education because there's just uh, there's such a lack of education out there and it seems like a lot of the education that is available has a particular bent you know it's trying to push you in a certain direction as an investor to buy an investment product that's being sold by the uh, financial legacy distribution system you know as we like to call it it always seems that education is kind of pushing you one direction or another and we're trying to provide unbiased education and as we always say to all investors is that, you know, there are so many tools available online for you to educate yourself. You know, when a, a pitch sounds too good to be true, it, it most likely is. And there's a lot of vehicles out there to help you to educate yourself. And so as Benjamin Franklin says, an investment in knowledge pays the most interest. You really have to you have to really let that kind of soak into you. And utilize the tools available. You know, if you want to look up the broker that you're working with, go to brokercheck.com. You know, someone's pitching you an investment product. Before you sign on the line and which is dotted, look it up. Do some research. Educate yourself. You know, as we say, if you can't explain it to a 5-year-old or a 10-year-old in two or three minutes and get them to understand it, then you're probably it's not a good idea to buy. Um Another statement is beware of expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. And, boy, how many times have we seen that, Jeff? You know, expenses is one thing that is easiest to control if you understand that you're getting charged more more fees than than you think you are to begin with. And I see this a lot with – we see this a lot with annuities – um uh, annuities I think are probably one of the biggest 
drains, challenges. I would say drains on, know, on the, assets. The biggest challenges to a portfolio being successful is is owning an annuity inside that portfolio because you're you're basically guaranteeing that you will never even equal a market average performance because the fees and expenses built into the 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 annuity itself even if it has the best possible investment options and trust me the average annuity does not have the best the best uh investment choices possible when you add up average investment choices with high expenses you're guaranteed to be below average consistently year after year after year after year and they're still sold they're they're still successfully selling them to investors every single day and we've in the 10 years that we've done this show we've almost made this our personal uh, mission, mission. There you go. <laughs> it's a personal Cru- mission. To, to, crusade. To, yeah, I like that. To steer crusade. people away from these types of investments. Now, there's also many other violators. You know, av- uh, uh, the the average loaded mutual fund carries uh, an initial sales charge that's equal to multiple years of professional full time investment management just to buy into the mutual fund itself they you know a minimum you know anywhere from two to three percent to as almost as much as six percent uh is very common in an upfront sales charge another thing is buying stocks you know just buying stocks through a full service broker and you're you're the average ticket price that i see from an from a full service broker is about two percent of the gross purchase and that is outrageous so you know, for five thousand dollar purchase, you're paying two hundred and fifty dollars in transaction costs. I mean, that's 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 a that's twenty uh, times egregious. more. That's twenty times more you'd pay at a at a, at a discount brokerage firm. Yes, well, you better well, be getting good advice if well, you're paying that kind of fee. Well, well, now, if that broker is giving you good advice and covers the two percent, that's one thing. But you and I both know. Unfortunately, the vast majority of them do not. Well, the one thing, again, talking about fees and, and what I, I like to, to do for any individual investor out there is to understand the two big types of fees. You have your hard dollar fees and your soft dollar fees. Your hard dollar fees are your upfront commissions. You know, those are the commissions that you see when you buy that mutual fund or you buy that stock and you pay that commission and you see it come right off the right off the top. You see that difference in what you're investing and what you actually paid and what was actually invested. That's a hard dollar cost. But where annuities, where non-traded real estate investment trusts, uh, where even mutual funds, once you get past that initial sales fee, really get their investors or get their clients is on the soft dollar side. Those are the fees that are accrued daily and taken out daily that you never see. When you get your statement from your annuity, that's net of those soft dollar fees. When you get a statement about your stocks or your individual mutual funds, it's net of those soft dollar fees. Those are the fees that you don't see. Those are the fees that you also need to be asking about. And if you're sitting down and someone's pitching you an annuity and you ask them, well, what are the soft dollar charges? They're not going to know what to do. 
they're not going to know what to do, and they're going to start trying to provide you with the half-truths of what you're actually Well, they're, they're going to focus on these guaranteed returns. The G word. Yeah, the, yeah they're going to focus on the G word. Which, again, is not a guarantee. It's just a promise, and it's only as good as the company providing the promise. They're going to say, don't you want 5% a year guaranteed income for the rest of your life? Don't you want that, Mr. or Mrs. Customer? And it's not quite that simple. Nope. And what they're talking about is the published interest rate, which changes monthly. It's just that hook to get you to sign on that line, and which is dotted to get you into that long surrender charge penalty period so they can lock your assets up. So you have to understand the difference between hard dollar costs and soft dollar costs. And soft dollar costs are in the prospectus. Soft dollar costs are in the information, but you have to know what you're looking for. And you have to dig deeper, as we've always said from day one on this program. And to really summarize this hour is you have to dig deeper well, and use the tools available to educate yourself before yeah, number, you make that investment Number one, decision. be diversified. Number two, know what you own. Do the research. Dig deeper, as you say. And number three, have a, always have a mind on what it's costing. That's right. Okay, and with that, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you could reach us at 906 0070 or toll free at 1 800 275 2162. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.